Welcome to Accelerating Government with ACT IAC on Federal News Network. Now your host, Dave Winogren. Welcome. It's great to have you with us for another episode of Accelerating Government. For over 40 years, the American Council for Technology and Industry Advisory Council has served a unique position in the federal marketplace as a nonprofit whose sole purpose has been to bring together government and industry leaders to accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. And on today's episode, we're going to focus on federal technology leaders. What's on their mind? Where are they spending their time and attention? And what advice will they offer us on both tech adoption and leadership in a rapidly changing world. We'll be hearing from Federal Deputy CIO Maria Rote, Agriculture CIO Gary Washington, Industry Executive Ted Davies, and in this segment, IRS Transformation and Innovation Wizard Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith is the Director of the Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office at the IRS, former Deputy Chief Procurement Officer, and current President of the American Council for Technology. Welcome, Harrison. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's great to have you with us. I think you've been in the new organization for almost a year now. And so why don't you share with us in the audience a little more about what the organization does and what are some of the projects that you're currently working on and excited about? Absolutely. It's a, it's a bit of, of a mouthful, isn't it? Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office, right? Dave? Sounds important and exciting, though. Well, that's good because I'm certainly not important or exciting, but maybe I can fool you for the next uh, 15 or 20 minutes or so. And it's very interesting what you can find out from the names of things, right? You've got names of companies, you've got names of organizations, you've got people's names. But, but right there in front uh, of the name of our office, it's Enterprise Digitalization, right? So it talks to you about how it's not just an individual office, but it's the work across the enterprise, across the service, across the IRS. And it hits on a, a central piece in regards to some of the projects that we work on. It hits on a central distinction. It's that digitization, which is frequently uh, what it sometimes comes out as, uh, versus digitalization versus digital transformation. You noted, you kindly called me a wizard. I'm not sure I'm going to take that one, but a transformation piece, right? And the distinction that we make here uh, within EDCMO is that Digitization is really about how do you manage and move pieces of work, right? In its simplest aspect, it's not moving paper and not shipping paper, but moving digital files. And uh, we at the IRS do our fair share of moving paper files, and we're working to change that to have a digital format that we can ship those in. Now, digitalization is the distinction we make about items that have machine-readable data. I told my mother that I occasionally make this joke at her expense, but she will take a picture of an email and then send it to me. And once she asked me to scroll down, <laughs> scroll down on the picture, I'm like, well, it's not exactly, exactly how it works. So, you know, digitizing would be taking that picture and sending that digital image, right? Uh, and digitalization would be making that information uh, available in a machine-readable format, making it easier to get access to those things. And the third piece is digital transformation, which frequently just doesn't have anything to do with paper at all. It has to do with how do we use digital solutions and technology uh, and approaches uh, to really improve the user experience. And there's quite a bit, and a lot of people point to the paper piece of this, right? And that's, that's obviously a big area for us. But helping users and helping uh, taxpayers find information more easily uh, on irs.gov has nothing to do with paper. It has to do with the experience, and that's what we target in that digital transformation piece. So again, it's that digitization, digitalization, and digital transformation piece where we feel we get across the broad spectrum of not only what makes the IRS team, um, their jobs more, uh, more straightforward, but also how it improves the taxpayer experience at the end of the day. 
I like that continuum. It's like continuum of transformation. And of course, it plays on the 21st Century Idea Act and all the imperatives have been put into place. We are in an interesting moment. We're several months now into a new administration. This is usually the time in an, in an organization's lifetime where we start to talk about like, what's the work that we want to continue? What are the things we want to stop doing? What's the new work that we want to start as, as new leaders come into the organization? So what are some of the topics that you think are going to be top of mind for your organization going forward? Yeah, Dave, I think that's a great question. And I think we're in a slightly different space at the Internal Revenue Service. You know, even if you just talk about the number of political appointees we have, which is two. So that's that's it. It's chief counsel and the IRS commissioner. But it's it's certainly been a year of, of difference and of adjustment, um, obviously COVID-19, but we've had two years of the extended filing season. I mean, that's that's why you have me on today, right? I mean, this is May 17th. It's the, it's the end of the extended filing season. And kudos to the IT team, uh, the enforcement team, uh, my old partners at the procurement team. There's never been a situation like this where we've had these extensions, right? Two years in a row of extended filing seasons and you know EIP payments this year, three or four rounds. Uh, there's been a lot of growing and a lot of different types of activities um, that, uh, that the IRS has been engaged in. And frankly, from my perspective, has done a fantastic job at. But we also have uh, a new focus on um, the taxpayer experience. We have a new taxpayer experience officer in Ken Corbin. Right? We have the Taxpayer First Act. But it all comes back to, to quite a bit about how do we, how do we really support those, those IRS team members and that personnel? How do we do things more efficiently without getting into this paralysis by analysis perspective? Right? How do we go through and give people more options to submit things electronically um, maybe relax or change um, the acceptance of some signature requirements without doing a full-up analysis of the 1,428 tax forms that the IRS has. And yes, that's a real number, right? But we joke that it's the Golden Gate Bridge project because once you start doing a 1,428 form analysis, you never stop because there's a new form, there's a new approach, there's a change of legislation. Um, I think there are many, many opportunities that we've been able to identify in a difficult situation on, on how to improve things. And it's really how do we continue to press on that? How do we continue to take substantive uh, reaches into, into fundamentally different things? Like, can we start with a form that doesn't even involve paper? And that's kind of the things that we're working on. How do you go to a tax form that has never been paper ever, will never be paper ever? Uh, but at the same time, how do you make it easier uh, for somebody who's trying to get a power of attorney into the IRS, right? How do you strike that balance between you've got incremental changes, which are just in the near future, adjacent or midterm changes in those transformative pieces? How do you learn from those projects that you're working on in the near term? And how do they inform and be informed by the, by the near term, uh, excuse me, by the midterm and the long-term projects? Um, it, is, it is an exciting time to be at the IRS. And frankly, I think it's an exciting time to work for the federal government. You, you know, you talk about this idea about how to make things more virtual, and we've certainly been living in a very virtual time for the last year and a half. Are there, are there some lessons learned from how the IRS has had to do business over the last year and a half that you'd like to make sure we don't lose sight of as, as we move to a post-pandemic world? I, I think it's, it's really sort of encapsulated in some of the conversations that we've had around as we build the, the digitalization team, because it's, it's, a, it's not even a year old. Right. And so we look to hire and look to, to work with things. And, and there are always questions about, well, what's their what's going to be their, their place of duty? Right. What location are they going to be in? And the joke that I make is that, well, if enterprise digitalization can't work from wherever we are, we kind of have a problem. Right. This is <laughs> that's not how it should work. But I think there, there are opportunities right, to have a different lens. Um, we've been able to accomplish quite a bit 
Uh, I think the broader team has been able to accomplish quite a bit. Uh, when you're in a different position, uh, it changes your perspective. And I think that's, that's hugely important because um, systems and, and organizations and agencies function better when we have that diverse viewpoint. And I think it's really important to say, how do we challenge it in an appropriate fashion, right? How do we challenge what our assumptions are to make things fundamentally better? And I think that's definitely a learning area that I hope we continue to really focus on. I'd like to pick up on that theme because it's one of my favorite topics and a continuing theme of our tech leader series on the show is this idea around cultural change and helping people to not only be, not, not to be change resistant, but to be change, instead be change advocates. So I'd, if you have some advice for the audience around how to deal with the change issues and the challenges that you're facing, some of the things that you're seeing that are working. Yeah, Dave, I think there's maybe three points to this. So I think the first one is you've got to be willing to, to find out what the rate of acceptable change is for an organization. Right? There may be areas where in a particular type of work, you know, for the IRS, it's, you know, in large part, from my perspective, it's publicly available information. Right? That's wildly different than taxpayer information. And so if you want to try something new, try something different, the pace of change might be much more acceptable in that publicly available space. So you've got that balance. I think you also run into a perspective, you know, I said our point number one. Point number two is if you are trying to help an organization change or evolve or improve, you have to realize that you are in sales. I mean, that's the old adage, right? We are all in sales all day, every day. Not only are you selling the process of, of the thing that you're trying to help change, right? But you're also selling the organization in and of itself. Um, there are many, many times when we've been in the room for the first time as, as the enterprise digitalization team, and we're not a known quantity. And that's, that's understandable, but you have to make sure that you're demonstrating value, um, that you're, you're really being able to have that consistent message. And I think the last part is don't work on a problem that you've identified. Frequently, you are not the expert. And I will say, I am certainly not the expert in, in the, digital paper pro the digital process, the paper process, or tax forms. I'm, that's not what I'm the expert in by any stretch of the imagination. Don't work on a problem that you see. Ask what problems matter to the users. Ask what problems, how do I help you change what you're doing? You've been doing this for 10 or 15 years. And in some cases, you know, more than that at the IRS. There's a huge availability of very informed, very passionate individuals who just need some help in a different space to get things done. Find that balance of where you can take that shot and, uh, and pursue it with people who are a lot smarter and a lot more informed than you are. Change is definitely a team sport. Harrison Smith is the director of the Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office at the IRS and the president of the American Council for Technology. Harrison, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate the time. We will take a quick break now. And when we return, we'll hear from Gary Washington, CIO for the Department of Agriculture. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wenergren, CEO of ACT-IAC, and on today's show, we're talking with federal technology leaders. Where are they spending their time, and what advice would they offer on successfully navigating today's world? For this segment of our show, I'm joined by Gary Washington, the Chief Information Officer for the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the incoming president of the American Council for Technology. Gary, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dave. Gary, you've been a leader in the technology community for a long time now, and it's not your first transition. How are things going? What's going on? What are some of your top priorities, and what are some of the changes that you're going to be focusing on? Well, the transition is going, um, going quite well. I, I think at the Department of Agriculture, Secretary Vilsack has, a, um, has brought in a team that has really worked with the career 
uh, leaders and made this transition as, as smooth as possible. So uh, some of the things that uh, we're working on is ensuring that they're you know, completely brought up to speed on what has transpired, some of the um, improvements that have been made, and really listening to you know, what is it that they will want to accomplish over the next four years and what are their priorities. So I'm really excited about aligning, you know, what we do with IT to support the administration's priorities moving forward. Excellent. And so then when we take a look at the CIO team, what are some of the projects that are top of mind for you right now? What do you have the team working on? Well, top of mind for me right now, for us right now, is obviously cybersecurity is 1 and 1A. Uh, but there is a, uh, a big emphasis on data and continuing to share data across USDA, making sure people have access to all the information they need, um, continuing to digitize services and potentially take advantage of things like artificial intelligence and machine learning. So moving you know, towards a more 21st century USDA. Excellent. You know, we, we often don't take time to celebrate successes enough in this market. Uh, we're, we're quick to complain about things, but not so quick to celebrate successes. Is there something that, that you've accomplished recently that you'd like to highlight for us? Well, I, I, I really am proud of the work that we did with the Centers of Excellence in modernizing different areas of IT here in USDA, such as our transition to the cloud, closing our data centers, taking steps towards providing digital services to our farmers, ranchers, foresters, and scientists in USDA, consolidating some of our modernizing how we engage our customers through our contact centers. And in our improvements in cybersecurity, we've come a long way in the last three and a half years. So I'm particularly proud of all those accomplishments. Yeah, absolutely. We probably couldn't say enough about cybersecurity today. It's just such a top issue in recent publishing of the executive order. And uh, are, are there a couple of areas of cybersecurity that you're really focused on that, that you think the audience should all be paying attention to as we go forward? Maybe not even so much because of what you're doing at agriculture, but just from your, your vantage point looking across the CIO Council. Well, we're, right now we're really focused on our, our approach to zero trust. You know, that's something that we have to be more aggressive on, obviously, that's part of the EO and continuing to uh, make progress and modernize and identity management at USDA as well. So uh, some of the activities were already underway, we made a lot of progress, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be exciting, you know, satisfying that the uh, components of that executive order. I was thinking as you were talking that, you know, you've looked at life from a lot of different perspectives and, uh, you know, past life at OMB, now, now at, uh, at the agency. Transitions feel different to you being at OMB versus the agency? What's it like the primary differences for you as you, go, as you bring in a new team in those two locations? Oh, absolutely. I, I think when I was at OMB, it was more of a uh, policy position you know, being able to, you know, in the role that I had in what is now the office of the federal CIO, you know, assisting agencies with their transitions, you know, ensuring that from an IT perspective, you know, we were able to help them. And now it's more, I'm on the other side, it's more of an implementation of the policies and, and, and the guidance to come out from the administration and, and working hand in hand with our desk officers in terms of, you know, our ability to, to meet what's required of us. 
Yeah. You know, the, the things that you're working on are so big and of such a complex scale that, you know, I wish it was just real easy, but of course we know it's not always easy work. And I just wondered if maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the challenges that, uh, that our audience and you are facing that have to be overcome as you go through this IT modernization, changing the cybersecurity model, moving to a more digital-based world. What are some challenges that you'd like to make sure the audience keeps in mind and doesn't lose sight of? Just keep in mind, you know, change is hard for everybody. And this is not just about IT. You have to include your, your partners in, in the programs and the leaders of the organization. Um, make sure they're included in the entire process and decision-making. And they're very clear on why we have to do these things and how it benefits them. And it takes a, a, a lot of strong efforts to educate and inform people and make them a part of the process because you want to bring them along with you and not seeing that you're this dictator imposing things on them. So make them a part of a part of a team. But as they say, like technology modernization would be easy if it wasn't for all the people involved. No, yeah. I'm, only, I'm only teasing. But I mean, but you know, but the cultural change impacts are often more substantive than the actual like learning and adopting the technology. And and as a tech leader, you know, I, I know the audience would love to hear any advice you have to offer about addressing cultural change. Addressing just include people in the process, educate them as to what's going on and why it's happening. Uh, you know, you'd have to get that group of people that uh, want early on to be involved and you want to get some early successes. But if I sat here and said that, hey, you know, uh, you're not going to have your resistors, <laughs> I'd be less than honest. So, you know, you have to make some very strong efforts to make sure you turn those resistors into supporters and find some creative ways to do that. USDA, you know, we have people that have been here a very, very long time. And they're very proud of the things that they've accomplished. But things change, they evolve, and you have to help them get through that process. You said something that was so important about celebrating successes. It's always amazing to me that, you know, intrepid program managers who are so good at their job, but they fail sometimes to recognize that, you know, if you can't talk about the progress that we're making, no matter how small the change is, there are going to be perturbations. It's not going to be instantaneously better for the user. And so being able to identify, you know, what we're shooting for, what are the outcomes that matter, and then actually celebrating success is just such a crucial part to help keep people with you instead of having them, you know, let the change aversion creep back in. Absolutely. I mean, they, you can't debate the facts. So if you have successes and you're very, you're, you're able to clearly articulate, you know, what you actually accomplished in successful outcomes, it's hard to debate that. You have to celebrate what you've done. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right. I mean, you know, keeping people aligned about what the goal is, tracking the progress and measuring the progress of your plans, all these things are just so crucially important. Gary, you have been a fabulous mentor and leader throughout your career. So many people like look up to you and, and have benefited from your wisdom. I, you know, I'd love to get some advice from you. Let's say for the, the, the people newer to the business, as it were, that are listening to the show today. So as we end this segment, I'd, I'd love for you to offer some advice, leadership advice to the young people who are beginning their careers in the federal technology market, either in the industry or government. What sort of advice would you like to leave them with today? I, I would tell them, don't be afraid to ask any questions because you may not feel like you have the skill set to do something. Does it mean you should not try to do it? Um, that's the only way that you're going to grow and mature and, you know, be able to, you know, be, be confident about taking on new challenges. 
you know, we, there's a lot of opportunity for young IT professionals, especially in some areas that, quite frankly, the federal government does not have a lot of expertise in. So just become knowledgeable about what's going on, you know, be somewhat adventurous in terms of taking on these new IT challenges and don't be afraid to get involved in large activities that can help you grow. Excellent. Yeah. Don't be afraid to get involved and don't be afraid to ask for mentoring advice because, you know, leaders like Gary have big jobs, but they're always happy to help the next generation come along. I know you and I have both had people that have helped us get through our careers and we're happy to help others. Gary Washington is the CIO at the Department of Agriculture and Executive Vice President of the American Council for Technology. Gary, thank you so much for your service and for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been great to have you. And we'll take a quick break now. Up next, when we return, we'll hear from Federal Deputy CIO Maria Rote. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wintergren, CEO of ACT-IAC, and on today's show, we're talking with federal technology leaders. What are their plans and priorities? What's on their mind? Where are we headed? How can we help lead ourselves into the future? I am so thrilled this next segment to have Maria Rote, Federal Deputy Chief Information Officer and immediate past president of the American Council for Technology with us. Welcome, Maria. Oh, thank you, Dave. It's great to be here. It is great to have you with us. It has been an interesting time for you. With a lot of changes, we're in the midst of a transition to the Biden administration, and you're sitting at the pinnacle of the massive federal IT establishment. And I'm just wondering a little bit, what's it like from your perch at OMB? What are some of the first set of tech priorities that you're seeing in the new administration? What topics will be top of mind for you and for the Federal CIO Council going forward? Oh, yeah, Dave, there has been just so much going on with this administration moving in, even now that we're past the first 100 days, right? The tech priorities, you know, when you look at the the administration's priorities around equity and climate and all of those, really, IT is the enabler for all of that. So if you step back and look at all these priorities, IT technology is just threaded through all of that, whether it's through executive orders, the guidance, all the activity that's underway with the agency. So again, technology is an enabler. But getting a little bit more specific, a lot of focus right now, and I think we'll talk to that in a minute, around the TMF and the cybersecurity executive order. Data continues to be a big priority. With the CDO Council, all the work they've been doing for this last year, you see data threaded through everything that the administration's doing, right? Asking questions. What's the data? Show me the data. You know, what does it look like? And even over the end of last week, I was getting inquiries looking broadly at the federal government around data and, well, how do we get to X? Well, you need Y and you need Z and you need to be able to do A, B, and C. But starting to lay that out around data and how we can continue to really use data to enable the administration's priorities. I'll tell you, there's a couple of things that that I am personally working on, and one of those is cross-government collaboration. The CIO Council a year ago came together and said, look, we really need to act and be able to communicate with each other. We need to be able to chat with each other. We need to do a better job of sharing with each other and collaborating. So one of those things that I've been working on is really opening that up to get to shared collaboration tools across the federal government. We've had some success there with, uh, I think we've got four agencies that are able to 
share, share calendars now and chat with each other. So that's been uh, that's been a big deal, and I've been pretty excited about that. So we're going to continue to move down that front on just cross-government collaboration regardless of the tools so that we can communicate with each other. I'll also share that um, in addition, I've been working on some IT portfolio management. When you look at the capital planning and investment control process, how to rethink that and reimagine what that could be and taking a more holistic approach to managing an IT portfolio, right? Think about it as IT portfolio management rather than just CPIC. And, and looking at the standardization of terms and consistency in language and direction within guidance and, and taking a look at CPIC as a whole to reflect modern IT practices. I mean, for example, on that one is is reconsidering what it what is a major investment, and and you know part of the conversation we've had is it's really not reflective of the current state of IT management, which has more of a focus on capabilities, services, programs, and outcomes. And how do we really take a program that's traditionally called CPIC and really look at the whole of IT portfolio management and ensure that we've got consistent definitions and um, looking at the out years, you know, that even as we're looking at running the business, transforming, changing the business of the federal government as IT as an enabler, how do we use that IT portfolio management to continue to, to drive that? Also for the federal CIO, a big focus on CX, right? Customer experience. Uh, we've got, what, 25 high-impact services, high-impact service providers, um, and, and they deliver to the American people, right? So we need to look at and continually look at and make sure that we are improving those services for the American people and continuing to mature that, you know, even as the American public is using those services, are we improving that experience throughout those critical moments in the customer journey? So again, uh, customer experience is going to continue to be a front and center for the administration and definitely a priority for the federal CIO. That was a fabulous list. That was, you know, everything that was on my, uh, like, you know, what's hot in the market that I'd like to know more about. So thank you for that. You know, there is a lot of excitement in the market about the additional $1 billion that was put into the Technology Modernization Fund in the recent Rescue Act. And I'm just wondering how that's going and what are some of the steps that are being taken? I know you guys are working hard to get the funding into the hands of agencies rapidly. And what do you think will be some of the top priorities that you'd like to see agencies spend TMF funding on? Yeah, you know, we put out, you know, publicly put out guidance in the generally very four broad buckets. But, you know, we've been working with the board, right, um, and with the agencies, um, looking at, you know, for one, how do we, do we need to scale the board or the PMO on services? So those are some of the things that we've been evaluating and looking hard at. But there's ongoing work with the CIO Council, and not just the CIO Council, we have to incorporate the CFO, the Chico, the CPO councils in the community, as well as the OMB budget staff, because the execution of one billion in the TMF is not just about tech. It's about the business need and the business outcomes and making sure that we're getting those right projects and programs and that we're not just talking about the tech, that we are talking about the business outcomes. Some of the high, you know, high priority systems we, you know, in the guidance, we talk about that, right? Investments to modernize and support, you know, agency services. 
but understanding those services. Are there business processes do that need to be changed? So as we're working with agencies and they're putting forward their proposals, are they capturing those business needs that it's not just a technology modernization for technology modernization's sake? And this goes back to the tenets of the board itself, making sure that we're getting agency business leadership, agency leadership, not just a CIO perspective. This is why it's really important coming to the board um, on this. And with these projects, some of these are big dollar projects, potentially. Uh, coming to the board. So how do we manage those big dollar projects? Are we going to continue to, you know, put out incremental investment like we do? What's the repayback methodology? We published some of that publicly already. But again, with these projects, it's important that the uh, CFO community is involved, the CPO community, because they've got the acquisition piece of those investments. And then the um, the Chico as well, because our as perhaps during modernization projects, uh, people need to be reskilled or you need to bring in a different type of skill set, not just on the technology side, but on the, on the business side as well. So the work on the TMF, there's a lot of slices to things that, that we're evaluating, potentially need to be updated, modernized, all of that. And this is really all about collaboration, again, with the CIO Council, the CFO Council, the Chico Council, and others. Um, and with that, with these modernization projects, there's opportunities looking enterprise-wide across the federal government. And what are some of those big projects that will move the needle enterprise-wide or multi-agency? Um, we've already done some projects that were multi-agency, you know, the visa, H-1B visa program, that was four agencies that were involved in that. But what other projects could be touched on broadly where there are um, system of systems, not just technology systems, but broadly system of systems in the federal government where we really need to co collectively raise the bar and raise the maturity to improve what we're doing across the board. So a lot of collaboration going on, a lot of communications. Uh, we've been doing a lot of briefings internally. And again, working with our budget officers because even as we upgrade and change the technology, there's definitely an O&M tail on a lot of this, and we got to make sure in the out years that the budget supports the changes that we're doing now with those funds. Fabulous. If you did touch on the executive order for cybersecurity, though, I'd love if you have some advice for the audience about how do we need to be thinking about cybersecurity going forward? What's, some, what's, a, what's a takeaway from that new executive order? There's a lot of actions in those 30 pages. <laughs> um, oh, my office has the primary lead within OMB. And I think the big takeaway is this is really about, this is not about OMB, this is about a cross-agency approach to, to address and manage all of the actions to make sure that we can accelerate and move very quickly and raise the maturity bar across the federal government. And this is not just around tech, there's um, FAR, clause adjudication, um, significant input, requirements from the budget side. So there's a lot of equities, not just within OMB, but across the councils and with the federal agencies. So that cross-council and that cross-agency collaboration is going to be significant while we try to execute on things like building out zero trust architectures, continuing to move the needle on that, identity management, and everything else that's in that executive order. So it's going to be a lot of work. 
cross-agency alignment, cross-CXO suite alignment, focusing on business outcomes. Maria, you're always a <laughs> breath of fresh air about the things that need to be done. Maria Rote is the federal deputy CIO, a longtime tech leader in government, and the immediate past president of the American Council for Technology. Maria, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dave. We're going to take a quick break. Next up, when we return, our final interview of the show will be with Ted Davies, a longtime federal technology leader, thought leader, and industry executive. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wenergren. Today, we're talking with federal technology leaders. And in our final segment of the show, I am thrilled to be joined by Ted Davies. Ted most recently served as CEO of Altamira Technologies. He's been longtime board chairs of different organizations. He has a long history in the federal technology market. He used to run Unisys Federal. And near and dear to my heart, is the chair of the Industry Advisory Council and the only person to have held that post two times. In a sense, Ted, you are the Grover Cleveland of ACT-IAC. Welcome. Well, with that, welcome, Dave. I'm not sure how to, how to follow that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm delighted to have you with us, and we'll just take the conversation wherever we go. Ted, let's get started. There's so much that I want to chat with you about. You've been an industry leader in the technology community for a long time now. And as you reflect back on your time in the market, I'd love to know, like, what's one of the biggest changes that you've witnessed, and what's one of the things that has remained the same? You know, it's hard to limit yourself to just one of each, but I, I'll put it in two categories. The, under the, biggest, the biggest part of change that I think about is a compression in the cycle between game-changing innovations. And, and I think back a little bit, um, you know, early days, uh, early, say early 1990s, the internet came in and, and started to really impact the way we operated. And, you know, it took almost a decade for mobility to really take hold and really start to drive a major shift in how we were operating. And then quickly or relatively quickly, IT security became a big deal. And then IT outsourcing and then cloud and now big data and AI. And, and the time between those cycles seems to be compressing. So the acceleration of change is as much, as much of a big trend as anything else. And, you know, I kind of broaden that a little bit to, you know, the way the business models operated. You know, over the years, we've gone from a, a model where the government owned everything and, and things were heavily specced and, and proprietary systems were being built. And there were long spiral development programs and full RFP cycles. And, you know, we've gone to now, as I said, IT outsourcing and cloud and open systems and agile development and OTAs and lean and agile acquisitions. And, you know, the, the, the business model has changed dramatically around this, the, this compression and technology trends. So that's kind of the way I think about kind of major, if I put a one big bucket around change, Dave, that's what I, I would call that. And I would say the constant really is it's all about the mission. You know, the people that are involved in the government side and the industry side are extremely focused on the amazing mission of government. Well, it's a, whether it's a civilian agency or a defense organization or the intel community, it's all about the mission. And, and inside that mission, it's all about the people of government and the people of industry. So I don't think that has changed at all. The people have changed and mission evolved, but, but, but that is a constant. I think that will always be a constant. You know, we talk a lot about the sort of dilemma that you face when 
change happens much more rapidly. And, and yet there's like big IT modernization for big organizations and government, which doesn't always take place. And of course, IT modernization works best when it stays ahead of that pace. And so it is a constant thing to keep in mind, this rapidly changing pace of technology. And speaking of rapidly changing paces of change, you know, think about the last year or so. And when I worked at the Department of Defense, we used to talk about that there's a difference between a lesson learned and a lesson observed. And so as we emerge from the pandemic and as you've seen from running a company and stuff, what are, what are some of the lessons learned that we need to not let go of and not lose sight of now that we go back to a post-pandemic world? Yeah, it's funny. I've been talking to, to people in the industry recently and, and, and I hear the word new normal a lot. Like when we get to the new normal and you know, I'm starting to say, I don't think we ever get to a new normal. And the reason I say that is that we're going to eventually, this year probably in the United States and maybe later around the world, evolve into a new operating model. And I think 2022 is going to look dramatically different than the fall of 2021. And I think the same thing will happen in 2023. So I think we're going to emerge from that in a much different place. And, and, and normal, I think, is a bit of a misnomer at this point. And, you know, in that kind of environment where you're trying to apply lessons learned, I think the biggest thing we all learned, and, and I, I did some really good work around this topic, was around the need for adaptability and resilience. And, and those two things, I think, are critical. You said lesson learned versus lesson observed. We observed it and we learned it. You know, people in organizations that couldn't adapt and weren't resilient really, really struggled. We've got to keep in mind that, that we're going to have to continue to have to be able to do that. It used to be that you try to build a better mousetrap, and, and, and that would be what would succeed. And, and I don't think it's about a better mousetrap anymore in whatever emerges over the next few years. I think it's going to continue to be about, I've got a great team of people that know how to work together. They adapt quickly. They overcome obstacles. They grow, and they apply that knowledge in a very quick way. Yeah, the resiliency thing is just so important and it's companion piece about relevancy because, you know, you talked about this speed to market and this willingness to change and, and like jobs, even entire companies, you know, I mean, your, your ability to adapt to a virtual world is speaking volumes about how relevant you will continue to be going forward. I need to ask for advice for the audience here. I think, you know, th there is a $90 billion a year federal IT budget and the vast majority of that money ends up flowing to the private sector to do the work to help support the government. And so I think it's worth taking a moment or so to talk a little bit about why have you so consistently been a champion of the importance of this government and industry dialogue and engagement? You know, anything important has to be done, done, done working together. And, you know, there's clear responsibilities in the government side and clear responsibilities on in the industry side, right? Government employees have to be good stewards of the mission and the resources of government. But the mission is just so large and complex. And as we've talked about changing so much in this dynamic world. And so yeah, government has to partner with the private sector to get things done. And I really um, underline the word partner because the relationship can't be, you know, one side wins and the other side loses. I think we have to find ways to, to come together. And I go back to a, a story from early in my career when I, I worked for a senior executive that was driving a satellite communications program for the Department of the Navy. And, and we would get into these negotiations with the program manager with a major manufacturer. And, and, and we would work really hard to defend the government position and, and make sure that, uh, that, that the government got what it was paying for. But at the end of the day, he would not squeeze that project manager to the point where he couldn't make money. And he said to me one day, he said, Ted, if I squeeze every dollar out of him, he won't be able to go back to his company and get investment for future things that I want. And it was a really eye-opening thing for me that he recognized the pressure that that business executive was under. 
and he was willing to compromise to find success for the government and success for industry. And I think that's what partnership is all about. And the way you get to partnership is through collaboration. You get to know each other a little bit and you find out the issues that are important and you get views from all different sides. And as a result of that, you come up with better answers and better way of operating and you hopefully get to mission success because of it. Yeah, you know, I think we've heard throughout all the interviews on today's show, this imperative for collaboration. They can't go it alone. Collaboration within an organization, the collaboration across government agencies, collaboration with the private sector. It's just like the challenges are just too big. All the easy problems that you could solve within a single organization we've already taken care of. As you look to the year ahead, get your crystal ball out for me. What do you think are the tech issues that should be top of mind to our audience as we, uh, as we go forward? I, I have to start my list today with cyber. Um, you know, defending against bad actors is, is just becoming more and more important. The headlines are, are, are full of, you know, ra uh, ransomware today, as an example. And, you know, the rise of cryptocurrencies has made that totally easy to do. And I think that that's going to continue. Global competition means that nation states are going to continue to try hard to get and stay ahead of us. And because the United States is an incubator of innovation, and we have an open society, we are extremely vulnerable. So I think cyber is, is top of the list. Um, the second one, and you mentioned a whole of government type thing, um, is joint, I, I think of joint operations. And I think of the, the DOD world, Dave, some of your background, you, you know that, that, that the services are all working together now and they're all attempting to implement technology solutions that allow them to be interoperable and, and, and fight, fight in a joint environment. That, that, that's the same way in civilian government. You know, breaking down the stovepipe between agencies and solving these common challenges together are going to be critical. And the last one is, is a hot topic for today, and, and it's data. Um, and, and, I, and I underline data, not just AI, because people think about AI as like all these sexy algorithms. But, you know, being able to build sexy algorithms really is about being able to access clean and usable data and to be able to train those algorithms to do things more efficiently and effectively than humans can do on our own. And that allows humans to make better and quicker decisions. But this can't be done without good data. And there's so much data that's out there. There's data that's available publicly. And there's data that's proprietary to the government. And the merging of those data sources and the cleansing of that data and making that data usable to enable AI, I think is going to be one of the major trends that we see. And the last piece that I'd say underneath that is that the processing of data. And there's a lot going on around edge processing. Even with 5G, you're not going to be able to move all the data back to one central repository to be able to process it and send it back out. So, you know, the ability to manage data at the edge and, and, and use it effectively is going to be critical as well. You've been so generous with your time in these incredibly busy jobs in your career. What's a piece of a mentoring advice you'd like to offer folks just getting started in the federal tech market? Build yourself a network and think broadly. So mentors from inside and outside your organization, stay involved in lots of different activities, look to help other people out. You know, I think I, I've learned more in my career about doing things that were not in my job description that help other people than I did actually doing my job. Mm -hmm. So jump in and work with other people, learn the big picture and find some great mentors all around your, your career spectrum. A great way to end today's episode. Ted Davies, Federal Tech Executive Extraordinary. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ted. Thanks for having me, Dave.
And that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank all of our guests for offering such thoughtful insights. Larry Bossidy once said, leaders get the behaviors that they exhibit and tolerate. And today we got to hear from some great leaders. Times of change are indeed times of opportunity and there are a lot of outstanding opportunities to accelerate government mission outcomes. I'm Dave Wintergren, thank you for joining us and I hope you'll be back for our next episode. You've been listening to Accelerating Government brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Thanks for listening to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Accelerating Government on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts.